What is up? Welcome back to the Outkick of Bets podcast. It's your host, Jeff Clark, and I have my handicap and roundtable back again after doing this for the first time in the divisional round. I brought back Dan Z and Scott Martin to help me break down both NFL Conference Championship games kicking off Sunday. I love the divisional round. I was I, I usually am cursed, but I actually came away with a two one and one record. So maybe the curse has been lifted. I'm excited about that. Danzi, how is your divisional round? Uh split, I think, if I remember correctly. I gave out punt Ravens first drive. Didn't work out thanks to that nine yard completion on third down. They were able to kick a field goal, which was annoying. David Montgomery did not score. However, the over did hit. And the Packers' first half line did hit. Actually, I mean, I could have just bet the Packers for the full game because that also hit. But uh, I think it was two and two. Nice, dude. And I kept or I uh, tracked your picks, Scott. You went two and two as well. I'm not wrong on that, am I? Yeah, Splitsville. Um, we had a couple, I guess, easy ones, if you will. We had the Ravens easily taking care of the Texans. Uh, difficulty with the Packers showing up a little bit more than I thought they would against the Niners and then uh, struggled with the uh, Buccaneers just not doing anything right in that game against the Lions, but then uh, came back big with the uh, Chiefs, which is the biggest bet of the weekend, taking care of the Buffalo Bills on the road, which we talked about too. Patty Mahomes showing up like he expected to. And uh, yeah, Splitsville on the weekend, but overall a little bit of a positive note because of the fact the Chiefs were the biggest bet of the weekend. So that covered. Nice, dude. Yeah, I hit with the Chiefs. I hit with the Lions, which got real scary when Todd Bowles went for two. Um, down by 14, well, down by eight. Uh, if he hit that, obviously I would have lost. And... Which I thought there was no chance he would do. I was the That was one of the most bizarre games from if you're an analytics nerd because Todd Bowles is not an analytics guy, and he did so many things that just make you absolutely cringe. I was actually messaging one of our editors during the game, like, I'm going to write a thing about how Dan Campbell plays to win and Todd Bowles plays not to lose. And then he went for, he passed the down eight test and it was like kind of threw water all over. I was like, ah, now I can't do it. Cause he actually did something that, and then predictably, and this is why people don't do it. This is why guys like Bowles don't do it. All the old school guys in my, on my Twitter feed, which is a lot are like, I understand why you do that, but I don't like it. I'll get this math out of my football. Those guys, man. That might be my least fit. My might be my least favorite new Twitter guy is get get your math out of my football. Yeah, and I tell you, you know, I don't know what Bowles was looking at, Dan, either. But if they asked him a few pretty good questions after the game, and it didn't look like he had any explanation for how he uh, had the team behaving towards the end of that game. I mean, he just kept the timeout because he felt like they were going to lose anyway. Don't make them kick the field goal just to put on a few more points. But hey, they still got to kick the field goal. Maybe they get a bad snap. Maybe it's blocked. And then, yeah, that two-point conversion cost me because I had the Bucks teased up or, or rather bought up to seven from six and a half. And uh, that would have been a good conversion, even like just a, just extra points. So either way, that was uh, – I think that was disappointing. And Bowles didn't seem like he had any interest in talking about it. Yeah, I don't even think he knew, quite honestly. Also, yeah. you know, I know Jeff hates this, but I'm going to be that guy. Love the call, hate the play. And Jeff hates that, like, oh. But, like – how do you not? This is the this two point conversion could essentially be for your season, and your play is just toss it to Mike Evans. Like you don't have. It seems like every team has one or two at least great two point plays for that moment where you need it, and they had nothing. And my argument actually is 
if you don't have a play for that situation or you used it earlier, then just kick the extra point. Is anyone trying to hear that though? Like Todd Bowles at the press conference afterwards, like I, I didn't have a two yard play. <laughs> I ran, I ran out of them. Yeah, exactly. Then get the extra point. I hear you, yeah. but like I think throwing it to your best player who's just like crushing Detroit secondary isn't the worst option. But like we saw Andy Reid throw a do a a reverse McCole Hardman on the two yard line, which is I know it wasn't for a two point conversion, but it's effectively the same distance. And we saw how that turned out. Like coaches and players shit their pants in those moments all the time. I'm with you. I didn't like the play call, but I also don't have a better idea. I really don't. And I'm one of the, I'm like a wannabe sports betting nerd. So I don't publicly say these things, but I am also like team kick it, <laughs> kick it and maybe go for the two in the next time around. I'm, I'm no, one of those know. guys. See, that's, no, that's the worst thing you can do. You don't kick it and then go for the two. Because then if you miss it, you lose. Yeah. I hear you. make two kicks. And that's the thing. He goes for two, doesn't get it. So then he has to get the touchdown and the conversion again. You just put too much pressure on the team. And they were playing catch up the whole game. So it just it didn't put the guys in the right situation. And like I said, he didn't have an explanation. So I think it was just seat of the pants and uh, wrong choice, Todd. You made an excellent point, though, Dan, in terms of Todd Bowles. You can add to that. If you remember, he got the ball to end the first half on the 10 yard line and was really aggressive. Something that Kyle Shanahan, Kyle, uh, Sean McVay almost never do in that spot. And he got the, they scored a touchdown at the end, at the end of the half Baker was, was dealing. Um, and like one of the biggest knocks or criticisms about like his pay, play sequencing and play calling the whole year was running on first and second down and putting their offense, you know, behind schedule, and he didn't do that really in the first or second game or in the, in the playoffs. So it was yeah, I mean, like a pretty good coaching made, performance. There's an argument to be made that he didn't do that during the regular season because his quarterback's Baker Mayfield. Yeah. Um, it's worse when teams have like great quarterbacks and they do that and they run it on first down just like every time. And there yeah. are a few of those guys out there and I'm, I'm ready for them to be, to be gone. I think ultimately, I think I would hope we could all agree I think Todd Bowles got the most out of the Bucks this year. I'm pretty impressed by I, by him, and I I gave a golf clap to Baker Mayfield. Like hell of a season, dude. <laughs> hell of a he season. He was a baller. Yeah, he had a better he season than Tom Brady. Yeah, he did. Yeah, and he, and he hung in there too. I mean, he gave he gave that team some hope, and that was something that they almost didn't feel like they had for the year prior. I mean, Mayfield got guys to rally around him. He got guys to play their best. And I look, I think next year if that team gets another couple pieces, I think they could be dangerous, especially given that division. Yeah, they could definitely win the division again. Um, and it's just nice. Everyone says he's like a cool dude and like the players like him. And it's nice that like it's rare to get a, what was it, a fourth chance for him? <laughs> and he's going to, he's going to be the starter next year. So, uh, good on him. I, again, I went to one and one. Um, one of my wins was was a lucky lines. We just talked about that. Uh, oh, yeah. My, let me lament that one real quick because I gave out David Montgomery to score. And Craig Reynolds got a carry inside the five, which was I a mean, surprise. What are we <laughs> the doing? Surprise the defense, clearly. What are we doing? Craig Reynolds scores a touchdown. Come on. What, what were the odds on that that minus you gave that that you remember? Yeah, it was minus one twenty, right? We're gonna talk about that later. Too good um, to be true. Too good to be true, as I said. Dude, that child No, it wasn't. 
I mean, I, that when I saw that line, Dan, you gave it out, it felt just too easy. I mean, there was something in that line that just felt strange because David Montgomery was racking up TDs. He was getting all those inside the five, inside the, say, seven carries, seven-yard line, and he barely even was in that game at all, it seemed like. I think he had more carries than than, than Gibbs. He had 10, Gibbs he had, had 10. nine, he, I he think. Just and... didn't, he just didn't see him that much, though. You know what I mean? Like, if he wasn't on the field, he wasn't getting the ball, obviously, and if he was on the field, he, I mean, he just – you know, it just didn't have the usual David Montgomery game that I think we kind of expected or that a lot of folks expected, and that's why I think they got you in with that nice uh, fancy No, the bet was made line. based on David Mon- based on the Lions getting a possession inside the five, which they did, which they, and they did. gave it and they gave it to Craig Reynolds, and that's insane. Go. And I don't think I, it. I, I have to go back and analyze the tape. If was Montgomery tired? Like, was that a blow that he was getting? I don't know. I, yeah, I want to be part of like that sideline conversation. I wonder if Craig Reynolds is like, dude, I will literally risk my life for this one yard. Like, I'm, <laughs> like, Montgomery's like, like nah, man, I, I scored 10, I am, like, 15 this year. I'm going to get paid. I'm t- good. Takes his helmet off. Look me in the eyes. I'm running through Vita Vey. I'm going to run through <laughs> him. <right. laughs> you know what I mean? Like, he just went Friday Night Lights. Like, all right, I believe in you. I will give you the ball, Craig Reynolds, for one your one carry in the last like four weeks. Um, that did that special teams touchdown in the Houston Texans game crushed my my under. Then that meaningless garbage time Justin Tucker field goal, which if it's fourth and five, they run the ball right. So that one hurt. Then they get those two drunk liquored up kickers missing field goals in the San Francisco Green Bay game that cost me the over. So that was I, I was pretty did bummed you, out on Saturday. Uh, I, I pushed the Texans, uh, Texans Ravens under, and I and I and I whiffed on the and the Packers Niners over. Both I, I think were the right side, but neither one of them got there. So, uh, pretty That's why a lot of people cool. people like I I'm guessing you're going to be back off of totals. That's why I don't do totals. Too much randomness. Oh, I mean, you can. That doesn't make any sense. Well, it does. I mean, Dan, you get games that start out. Let's say it's let's say the over under is forty four, and you get games that go to thirty at half, and all of a sudden you get a completely different game in the second half, and the thing stays under. It does I not do love, stay on. Trend. I do love live betting totals you, though because of that. For sure, absolutely. You, Scott, I just you think can, the total before. Yeah. You can make the same argument about spreads. You know, I mean, yeah, like you like the Texans wasn't wasn't that game tied at halftime? And then right, they the no show though, in the second but, half. But but the spread though at least gives you a chance to stay kind of on one one factor with respect to like yeah the spread you're right it's closer at half but then the second half I mean if you ask me in that first half the Ravens were way better than the Texans were for sure so, yeah, but, they had to come out in that second half and take care of business and they did it. But we'll talk about this in a few minutes. Um, the Ravens have been way better than every team they've played this year. You know like yeah. if you look at the game that they lost to the Steelers in I don't know week four it was. Absolutely, absolute lunacy. The the game they lost the Colts, where Matt Gay hit like four fifty yarders in the rain and then in the wind, was crazy. So, I hear you. Um, but my my record on the year is pretty sick. Uh, the circuit million, including the playoffs, I'm fifty nine and thirty eight. So it's like sixty point eight percent. And I don't really like playing totals very much. But in the picks pool that me and you are in, because um, there's only two games. They you have to pick both sides and both totals, so I'm forced to pick it there. I I lean to one total here. I'm staying away from the other yeah, one. Let's talk about that real quick, uh, Scott. We'll get you in it next year. But guy that I worked with at ESPN got me into this ten years ago, and I've been in it the entire time. It's very 
interestingly structured thing where they send out the games every week. It's the same for everybody. There's always it's always a half point spread because there are no there are no pushes. It's just and you have to pick a side in the five games that they give you, and then you get points. And then they have little bonuses throughout the year. If you go if you go five and zero, oh, you get a bonus. If you go zero oh and five, you actually get an extra knockoff of on points, and you really got to avoid those. But then there's like whatever. Jeff is in first place, um, which is super validating, right? That the guy that I brought in, who is the uh, you know betting expert at the company I work for, is the chip leader in this uh a lot of former espn and current espn employees are in it too so i, I hope they're all looking up at uh outkick jeff clark at the top just dominating their asses yeah i i hope to to bring it home but it's tight dude it's really tight up there and you said that there's like a super bowl parlay that can really swing this thing so i'm I'm nervous about finishing yeah, you have this to wager points on the super bowl and then you have to it's it's side total and one player prop you have to uh you have to get all three right Wow! Oh, baby, yeah, you got a parlay. Go, That's a cool parlay. You got to get in on it next year, Scott. Yeah, we'll get you. Yeah, out. I'll probably be in last. Those it's player props one. are just not my thing, but yeah. Well, no, we don't. Sure. It's the only. Out. It's the only game of the year where they where they do oh, a player gotcha. prop. Good, it's good. it's yeah. pretty much it's mostly sides, a few totals sprinkled in here and there, but mostly sides. Yeah, and there's like nice. little, um, I don't know, like little like quirks in the in the week by week like game or, or yeah or like some weeks you'll you'll get a chance to pick a pick of the week so you take the pick you're most confident about you put a bonus point on that if you get that one you get two points instead of one there's like a better's choice where you can you can take any pick on the board that's not already included in the pool and if you get it you get a point but if you miss it you lose a point so there's like a risk reward there like there's a lot of that it's 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 a fun pool it's different than anything i've ever done before that's why i like doing it because it's it's kind of unique and interesting and it makes you think about games you might not otherwise think about right on so yeah we'll talk about that with you and next Justin year first place. Scott. did i mention that that's right baby he's gonna win is what he's gonna do damn right i'm gonna Long way to go that. but it's a nice it's a nice payout too because i think it's it's a 60 dollar entry and i think first place like 1200 bucks so it's a it's a nice return on investment if you can hit it i'm gonna dedicate my win if i get it to the outkick bets podcast and to you guys hell yeah <laughs> i'll take some of that money for inviting you a finder's fee. That's not a bad idea. <laughs> All right. Let's get, into the, let's get into the conference championship games. First one, Chiefs at the Ravens, Sunday, 3 o'clock. The spread right now, I think, got up to minus 4 um, at some books. Minus 4 at DK. It's minus 3.5 in other places, but with juice on the Ravens. The total is 44.5. Um, I... As we already talked about, much prefer sides. I do have three player props that I'll make like little pizza bets in, but uh, the bulk of my um, betting budget for this game will be on the side. I, I like the Ravens. I already laid minus uh, the minus three, minus one twenty five. I'll probably take another swing at it at whatever it closes at. I'm hoping money comes in on the Chiefs late and gets it back down, but. I can get into the reason why. Uh, first, I want to hear from you, Scott. What side do you have in this game? This one's tight, guys. This one's tight as we kind of approach uh, game time here. So right now, as the model shows, we've got a slight, very, very slight lean on Baltimore. So it's disappointing for me, obviously, having ridden the the Chiefs last week and just seeing that uh, Baltimore also was a pick last week, too, and seeing that those two won. It's kind of a tough matchup just to kind of choose between. But here's the thing. Um 
this one is going to be close going, I believe, into the kind of the kick, just because of the fact that as, as the as the line opened up at three, has gone all the way to four, uh, minus four for Baltimore. We've seen kind of that really mix and match or that, say, even siding with uh, the public as far as the data that we analyze, which is what Vegas wants effectively, to where they're basically balanced out, basically 52% on the uh, Chiefs to 48% on Baltimore. So as of right now, the pick is Baltimore. It obviously could change. So if you just look at the matchup, though, guys, nobody's playing better football, I don't think, than the Ravens as far as in the last, say, 15 weeks of the season, let's say, let's say all season, really. But the problem with the Chiefs, I think, coming in here and why the public wants probably a little bit more, at least to their money on the Chiefs, the Chiefs have that kind of, uh, let's say, that feel-good story or that, hey, there's the biggest surprise, one of the bigger surprises, let's say, of the playoffs because of what they did in Buffalo and because they dominated the Dolphins as they did a couple weeks ago. So there's still kind of that push and pull with, do you, does the public feel like taking the Ravens, that is the number one seed in the AFC, that team that looks like they're unbeatable, or do you ride that kind of Cinderella story with the Chiefs being that they're going to be on the road twice, and they may just actually win this game? Who knows? All right, we got. So, I got to stop you right here. You cannot refer to the Kansas City Chiefs dude, as a Cinderella story because they're going on the road, Dan. Here's the is their fifth been, straight been, AFC Championship game. They've won two Super Bowls. There is no world where they are a Cinderella story. No, you dated zero. a girl named Cinderella. Here's the thing: the, the Chiefs <laughs> have not won these games on the road. You talked about it last week. Mahomes was supposed to fall on his face on the road. Not Bills Cinderella. Mafia takeover. Everybody hated the Chiefs last week. I mean, like I said, the biggest betting model uh, play last week was the Chiefs because the public was so heavy on the Bills. So this is another road game that the Chiefs can pull out of their hat and get to the Super Bowl and make it even another streak. So I'm still on the Ravens, but this is one that's going to be close into game time because the public is pretty torn on it so far. And also how the spread is moving too. You're seeing a lot more action on the Chiefs at the Ravens minus four than you did back at minus three where it opened. Dan, you have a lot of things to say about that or about this game, I'm sure. What do you got in this? I like the Chiefs. Um, Been there, done that sort of scenario here where – I'll take Reed and Mahomes over Harbaugh and Jackson. That's the Jeff Clark way of thinking about it, right? Better coach, better quarterback. I hate it. Um, I also like correlating bets here. So if you like the Ravens, interesting note, when Lamar Jackson throws for under 200 yards this year, the Ravens are 7-0 and when he throws for under 200. His passing prop is currently, although it just, I have it in my bet slip and it keeps moving. It's now 208.5, so I really like the under there now. But if you like the Ravens to win, uh, Lamar Jackson under 208 passing yards looks good. And conversely, on the other side, if you like the Chiefs, Lamar Jackson's rushed for over 100 yards in three of his playoff losses. When the Ravens get down and Lamar feels like he needs to do things, he runs. So if you like the Chiefs, I would consider correlating it with a Lamar Jackson over rushing prop. No shit. Nothing about... The ref conspiracy theory or them trying oh, to get Taylor Swift Oh, you want me to talk about that? Here we freaking go. Yeah, let's get so, our tinfoil hats on. Uh, Jeff Clark's favorite follow on Twitter, who he's always sending me his his uh, his posts because he's just like, dude, you got you to gotta follow this guy. This guy Warren Sharp, man. He's sharp as hell. Like, he knows everything. Um, I'm going to give him a sent, wedgie one day. He sent out a conspiracy theory that shows that <laughs> when Sean Smith, the referee for this game has the second highest uh, road cover percentage of any referee over the past two years. Uh, Road teams cover at like 60% when Sean Smith is the referee. B, 
feeding into the notion that he is possibly a bit of a contrarian, likes likes getting booed by the home crowd, maybe. Um, the theory was sort of debunked. You put a siren by on the tweet, like the, alert. The, the theory was 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 sort of debunked by Pro Football Focus. They they ran a simulation where they you know they simulated all NFL games, and it was like essentially one ref was going to based on just range of outcomes one ref was going to have the away team be at 60 percent cover just based on uh what's the mathematical term i'm looking for here Can't slippage think of there's like you know it just was gonna happen right like if you if you did all the refs and you simulated the entire season fifty thousand times you're gonna have one ref who's gonna be even it, it, assuming no bias assuming there's absolutely zero bias just based on the randomness of the nfl you're gonna have one ref who has 60 percent home winners and you're going to have one ref who's 60% road winners. So Jeff believes that this is noisy, as he called it. This is noisy information, not actionable information. However, look, it's a big sample. It's interesting. That's all I'm going to say. It's interesting. Fair. It is interesting. I didn't do a good enough job like refuting it on the spot. I had to like collect the, or find the tweet from You the... had to find someone else to do the work for you. Yeah, Absolutely. I Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, totally. Because <laughs> for, for sure, I, I'm not good with like stats and 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 whatever like i i've used ben baldwin who's someone you like who's someone who baldwin. tweeted out like if you take a basic intro to stats class you would see this is ridiculous by warren sharp i'm surprised you didn't see that but like i guess i didn't i've i've heard this before over the years and i just I don't remember the math. I can't explain it back to you. I just know that it's bullshit. And like, that's, that's what I remembered in my head. So that's effectively what I told Dan and Dan came back at me with, well, like show your math. What's your case? And I was like, nah, I don't know. It's noisy. <laughs> like I didn't, I didn't remember why <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't need to. I was like, oh, this is bullshit. Um, anyways, I'm on the Ravens. Like I said, uh, I'd play it up to minus four and a half. Frankly, if you were to remove the team's, and like the quarterbacks and you're just looking at the resumes like the Ravens should be a five and a half six point favorite in this game I agree with you in the terms uh Dan with Chiefs obviously have a quarterback and head coaching edge I don't think that gap is big enough to make up for the gap between Baltimore's defense and Kansas City's defense Kansas City's defense has actually been really good this year they are a little banged up um, coming into this game but I don't think the injuries are going to slow them down that much however I think I mentioned this to you guys last week if not um, or if so sorry for the uh, the repetition or whatever being repetitive but Baltimore's defense in my opinion, is the best unit in football and has been the whole year. Um, and I think there's just too much playoff experience, Mahomes as an underdog, into this line, into the market that's 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 giving value to the Ravens. Like, if you, again, if you just blindly simulated these two, this matchup, I think the Ravens cover this number 65% of the time. So I'm going to fire on it. And well, that's the thing, though, too, guys, is the, the, the wild card here, given that we're not in the wild card round anymore, is the fact that Mahomes has proven, though, that he can step up and show up on the road. And that game, whatever you want to say about it, whether it was lucky, haphazard, happenstance, referees missing calls, whatever the story was, Tra Taylor Swift being great, uh, Mahomes stepped up big in that game. And he can go to Baltimore and he can 
keep pace with Lamar Jackson. I mean, Lamar is on the top of the world, MVP. He's running for yards. He's throwing touchdowns. He's basically doing whatever he wants to do, scoring touchdowns on the ground himself. So there's got to be some sort of pullback in Lamar's performance vis-a-vis where where Mahomes has been too, where he's been up on uh, and and ascending. So you also, I think, Jeff, have to think about the numbers here. You had three, and now you have four. And so this feels like it's a lot closer game, similar to like kind of Baltimore, Kansas City kind of was for a little while until – kind of the end there so there still should be some i think some decent public favor on kansas city here as we get closer especially if they're getting four yeah no i disagree i think they beat up on two bad defenses in the past two weeks and i think i don't think they're going to get to 20 this game i think baltimore is going to shit on them i think really? that defense going to shit on them. absolutely i do yep um yeah we'll see how it plays out i do have three player props on this game first one I hit this last week. I'm going to go back to the well with it. I'm going under Odell Beckham, 22 and a half receiving yards. It's a minus 114 at FanDuel. Mark Andrews is going to return, so that should eat into OBJ's target share. He played just 29% of the snaps last week um, in the divisional round. He got one target, and I think it was on the first drive. So when he caught that, I was like, oh, no. Oh, shit. (laughs) I'm in trouble here. But he went missing for the rest of the game. And uh, according to PFF's little wide receiver cornerback matchup, he's got a 48.2 grade out of 100, so really bad. He always, only lines up out wide, and uh, he'll be facing Legereus Sneed, who's, I think, a top 25 cover corner in the league, and that's the strength of, of Kansas City's defense. So I'm, I'm thinking OBJ's going to have a, a bad game here or go under 22.5. Any player props from you guys, or do you want me to rip through my other two? I do think it's funny. I do think it's funny, though, real quick, because last week I gave out Ravens to punt first drive at like plus 180. It's down, it's plus 120 this week. So, despite the fact that they scored on their opening drive, uh, Vegas apparently thinks they're much more likely to punt against the Chiefs on the first drive. Yeah, I think the Chiefs, I think they're. You know the Chiefs' defense, Steve Spagnola, and you know I think they're I think they're expecting this to be a defensive matchup, which I I have a heavy lean to the under in this one because I again I don't think the Chiefs get to twenty here, and Chiefs' defense is sick, so I'm thinking like a twenty four fourteen outcome. Um, yeah, I'd go under too. I looked at the model kind of results if you look at the totals and the under. The, the public's all over the over on both of these games, obviously because of the, the past performance and the playoffs of both these teams. So I think there's a lot of good value on the under too. Also on those props, uh, listen, I think you've got to see – you're going you're gonna to be able to tell, I think, how this game's going to go after the first few drives because the setup of Spagnolo against the Ravens offense and vice versa is going to tell you how the game's going to kind of be parlayed as far as – what those offenses are going to try to do against those defenses. Because Mahomes can do a lot in that backfield, guys, that even we still haven't seen yet this playoffs. I have a lot of confidence in him because of the fact that he can show up. I mean, he can go out there and he can adjust to the game play and the game flow, which is something Lamar can do too, but he hasn't done it yet. Mahomes has already shown that he can. He did it last week, though, and John Harbaugh actually had a, a nice little like um, halftime interview where he was kind of like, winking to the camera and suggesting like, no, we, 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 we're going to figure this out in halftime. They did because Houston didn't really blitz a lot the whole regular season. And then they just sent the blitz. I don't know, like at a really high rate in the first half against, against Baltimore. And 
to the Ravens' credit, Todd Munkin, tip of the hat to him. They they figured it out. The Pat Mahomes stuff is a nice segue into my second prop here. Um, I almost always go over this, but I'm going to go under Patrick Mahomes' 27.5 rushing yards. I think it opened up at 24.5. It's going to be one of the most popular player props of, of, of this game and of the weekend. Uh, Baltimore has... A, the fastest defense in the league, two of the best linebackers in the NFL. They don't blitz at a very high rate, and Mahomes' best chance to kind of rip off a big run is, is is the defense missing on a blitz and having no one back there or having no one upfield to, to tackle him when he when he scoots out. Um, he's actually had 11 carries for 35 yards in his four career games against Baltimore. He's never went over 27.5 rushing yards. Um and uh, that, that's it. So I'm going to go under Pat Mahomes, rushing yards. And the next one, final prop in this game, I'm going over Justice Hill, 30 and a half rushing yards at points bet. It's minus 125. It's up to 32 and a half at FanDuel. Pinnacle Sportsbook, the sharpest book out there, is dealing a 34 and a half with juice on the over. Kansas City's rush defense is, is god awful. Baltimore's fifth in run block win rate. Casey is last in run stop win rate, according to ESPN. And just kind of by the eyeball test, Justice Hill's been running his ass off lately. He's been running really hard. He had 13 carries, 66 yards in the divisional round, and has rushed for at least 35 rushing yards in four of his six starts this season. He was the starting running back last week for Baltimore. So going over Justice Hill rushing yards, under Patrick Mahomes rushing yards, and under OBJ receiving yards. Any other thoughts in this game, gentlemen? Yeah, I don't see it available right now, at least where I'm looking. Um, I think Chris Jones gets a sack in this game. Lamar, even in his best games, takes a lot of sacks. It's part of what he does. Um, I think Chris Jones gets home at least once, but I don't have a number on it. So if you can find one. I was looking to go under on that one. Um, because Interesting. Why? I, I, if they're going to sack Lamar, it's going to be outside, not inside. Is that essentially the idea? I am worried about him eating too many sacks, but I thought this was crazy because I looked at this last year for the Super Bowl props. Chris Jones, and hold on, I'm pulling up right now, in 17 playoff games has two and a half sacks. That's crazy. That, that's crazy. And you talk about sample sizes. That's a, that's a full season, two and a half yeah, sacks. Yeah, I, I definitely think teams, um, what I would say to that is I, I definitely think teams scheme against him typically because he's sure. their best player on defense and that makes the most sense. Uh, however, in this situation where Lamar does what he does, which is like try to bounce around and get up the middle, I think Jones maybe necessarily doesn't even get one on just a, a great pass rush, but one of those plays where Lamar's trying to make something happen and Jones makes his way because he's, he's very good at staying alive in plays and and that's where i think he'll end up uh getting a sack so i, I yeah he stays yeah. he stays home more dan i think the other thing too is you know lamar seems like this year if there's one year that's been in his career where he's been able to escape more than he has been running into defenders it's this year especially like in the last say 10 games of the season so i think that's another thing too is you've got let's say it's a six sense or whatever lamar's got back there but he's been avoiding a lot of that rush and just darting up the field versus kind of dancing around as much so Jones has got to kind of stay home and see if he can grab him. But I, I would take under two as well because I think Lamar is kind of showing that he can pop around there, but he doesn't hang around as much as he did, say, the last couple of years. I think Dan's point about him eating too many sacks is the best one there. Um, but I, the, the, the interior of Baltimore's offensive line is sick. That center, Tyler Lindenbaum, I think that's how you 
uh, have his name is spelled or said or whatever is good. And I will say, yeah, Dan, I, I, if I you... actually don't like the number on it. Now I went to FanDuel and Jones to record a sack is minus one thirty. So I don't like that number. I thought it would be plus money because just it's never, it's usually never more likely that a player is going to record a sack than not going to record a sack. Um, so What's I will, the no? I will rec- plus plus... one hundred. Oh wow! Okay, but that includes a half sack too, right? It's got to be a full, doesn't it? No, it's a half sack. Uh, on FanDuel, it's a half on, sack. On, on FanDuel, it is a half sack. Yeah. Okay. But on, I guess that's probably baked into the number as well. On DraftKings, they'll do like a quarter they'll sack. They'll do like a over half, under seven, half a five sack, sack. Or, a, or a quarter. Yeah. I think his over .75 sacks, I think that'll be plus plus money, plus, money. plus, plus yeah. 120. And I think the under will be minus 140, minus 150. That's my guess. Um. Okay, so let's I go. I still don't to, like the number at 130. Yeah, I hear you. To be clear. Um, it's rich. All right, so let's talk about the NFC Championship, which is the San Francisco 49ers hosting the Detroit Lions. The San Francisco 49ers currently are seven-point favorites. More juice on them, so they're moving towards seven and a half. Ugh. I took seven earlier this week, but seven minus 110. Hopefully I can get another shot at Seven and a half. Yeah, DraftKings has it at seven and a half, but but juice decently. Yeah, minus one twenty. But it, that is their official line, though, right now. Yeah, so I'm I'm going to be double dipping on this Lions game. I'm taking the Lions. Uh, I already got a plus seven. I'll grab plus seven and a half. We'll you pretty s- much said that as soon as right the, out of the gate. Yeah, Sunday night. I the bet. game ended, and Jeff was like, "I'm on the Lions plus seven. Yeah, best of the number is what he's called it. I thought I was. I guess I was wrong. <laughs> you had to know it's going to swing towards the favorite. I mean, look, you're you're in that territory right now where fans are generally, you know, the Chiefs pr- provide a, a sort of a strange thing because they're the underdogs. But fans are going to gravitate towards the favorites and the overs, um, especially in big games, especially in these situations where more people than ever are going to watch these games. People are going to want to bet on them. They're going to be at parties. They're going to be drinking. Booze is flowing. That means the uh, sports bankroll is flowing. So I, I was surprised that you jumped on the early number because I just I always feel in these cases where if I like the underdog, I'll wait. If I like the favorite, I'll go early. Same thing with the totals. If I like the over, I'll go early. And if I like the under, I'll wait. Well, I want to hear what Scott's model says because the based on the public splits that I'm betting splits that I'm finding, the Detroit Lions are more popular. And that's actually a concern that I have. Yeah, big time. Uh, about sixty-four percent so far, guys, on Detroit, and wow. uh, just been 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 elevating all week. Actually, like you said, uh, it's kind of funny, Jeff, when you look at the fact that the spread is now, as we said, going to about seven and a half at some spots, with maybe a little juice to juice. So, look, this is the, the public is seeing Detroit and has seen Detroit all season and has seen Detroit very well all season. Betting on Detroit, a lot of public favorites were were Detroit this year in, in their matchups, and then of course in the playoffs taking Detroit and, and and having them come out, except the Rams game, obviously, which we noted and took. But the, the last week, the, the public's recent bias, the recent memory kind of factors in here. And the spread looks strange to me. I mean, if you go up to the window and you're talking about Detroit, San Francisco, yes, the game's in San Francisco. Yes, there's a lot of pressure on both teams, et cetera, et cetera. The, the number, I, I believe, if you're a public better, if you're poly public, getting seven or seven and a half looks pretty, pretty nice. So the public is really filing in on that side. And those are one of those kind of setups where when you have a San Francisco team that's been here before, 
a Detroit team that has already, say, let's say accomplished what they wanted to accomplish this season. I know they're going to come out and say we want the Super Bowl, blah, 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 but they've shown well. Uh, that spread typed in with the fact that you've got San Francisco, who I think truthfully can keep up with them on offense, depending on what Debo obviously does, depending on how Brock Purdy plays. I will take Brock Purdy over Jared Goff any day of the week. Yes, I will. And so, yeah, I will. I will. I'm telling you, and I'm going to take him, of course, on Sunday. And just a quick thing, too. The seven and a half, let's say it's seven and a half. Maybe if he goes to eight, maybe it goes back to seven. That number looks really big. I think when you look at this matchup just on paper, just as a a 30,000-foot view. So that's another reason, aside from the fact that the public is hammering Detroit here, that we like San Francisco because it's one of those numbers, too, that looks too good to be true if you're a Detroit fan, if you're a Detroit better, and that's usually when it goes the other way. Dan, you do that shit, too. Are you saying we, in case you lose, and you can throw your model in as a shield? It's always a we. Uh, it's always an I when I bet. I never, I never, I never assume people are joining me, and I, in fact, I hope everyone is fading me. That's, um, that would yeah, actually I agree make with me happy. Every- I agree with everything Scott said. Um, you I'm also on. I'm also on San Francisco here. Um, I think the problem I have with Detroit is they haven't beaten anyone in the playoffs. Like Rams, not. I don't view that as a great win, and they barely beat them. They could have lost that game. Yep. The Tampa Bay. Come on, man. Like again, fun story, but it was a nine and eight NFC South winner who beat a bad Eagles team. And still kind of came down to the end. San Francisco looks bad because of the Green Bay, how close that game was. Because people look at it and they go, wow, they they barely beat a seven-seeded. Like, Green Bay was playing arguably some of the best football of any team in the NFL. It was kind of the opposite of how, like, I think that's a better win than, like, Tampa Bay beating Philadelphia. Just based on, yes, Philadelphia obviously finished with a better record. They were a higher seed. But Green Bay was playing some really dominant football, including a a massive win in their first playoff game over Dallas, where they just punished the Cowboys, who I still think were a good team. I think you know, that was an. You know who disagrees with you? You? No, the odds makers. It wasn't a more impressive win beating Green Bay beating or uh, San Francisco beating Green Bay than the Bucks beating the Eagles. The Bucks covered. The Niners didn't. Okay. Just mean the Lions covered. The, Niner, the Bucks. The Bucks were no, favored, said, though. Too. I thought you said the Bucks beating the Eagles was a more impressive victory than, or was a le- less impressive victory than the the Niners beating the the Packers. It was. Yeah. Okay. But not according to the point spread, is what I'm saying. How? How does that correlate? Tampa Bay exceeded expectations by covering the spread, and Eagles the Niners underperformed. Yeah. Okay, I'm I'm saying the market would look at that as a more impressive win, right? I mean, the the, the Niners play with their food. They they should have beaten the the Packers by a lot more than they did. Okay, but I'm I'm saying not necessarily. Fair enough. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. I, I didn't mean to cut you off. But keep going. No, that's it. I'm done. Oh, here we go. Don't be mad. I'm sorry. I'm not mad. I don't have oh. I don't have anything else to say. Great. That was now, the great. Now dance pass. I'm not pissed. I don't <laughs> care. All right. Let's go. I'll take San Francisco plus minus seven, and you get Detroit plus seven, and we'll go. Let's call it five thousand bucks. Love there it. you go. Um, Put some <laughs> juice on that baby. <laughs> so wait, why not seven and a half though? Well, all right. My five thousand to win five thousand. Your five thousand to win four thousand. Yep. We'll talk about this offline. <laughs> 
So I don't, I don't hate those numbers though. Uh, I disagree with you. I think I, I, Jared, obviously you bet the Lions and you're going to double down. Of course you disagree. Yeah. Uh, I do think Jared Goff would actually be a great quarterback for Kyle Shanahan though. For sure. I think he would be really good in that San Francisco. I think offense. Jared Goff is better than Brock Purdy. It's close. They're very similar. I know Pat McAfee Goff, Goff went on TV better. and said he's sick of the Brock Purdy slander, so I don't want to offend him. But that guy played like shit last week. He 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 rallied at the end. That was impressive, and tip of the cap to him for that. But I think Jared Goff's big game experience, making it to the NFC Championship now with two different teams, um, is impressive. And I I think it's we're really splitting hairs because Brock Purdy is has been good, obviously. So, but I think. San Francisco's edge and in the roster is largely overstated. You know, Aiden Hutchinson's a beast, and Detroit's got the best or the highest defensive pressure rate in the NFL. I think it's a draw in the running back room. You want to say CMC's much better than Jameer Gibbs and, and Montgomery? Yes, I, I don't, do. I don't, I don't believe that to be I true. Think so easily, easily. Well, I mean, and here's the other thing: what about the team it, rushing performance? How much better? The, they are going to rip the Lions. Like, I don't even think Brock Purdy's going to have to do that much, to be honest with you. I think San Francisco is going to rip the lines apart in the run game and just pound wait them till, into submission. Wait till Goff gets nervous. He's going back home to his home state. He's got friends. He's got those tiny there. hands. Yeah, everybody's so showing off. He's got this surfer luck. He's going to be nervous. And if he starts turning the ball over, some things don't go the lines way right out the gate. That's where I think you got to watch for, like you said, Dan, the, the lines just getting run over and shot because San Francisco has been in these type of games. Detroit is not. Detroit has already achieved what they needed to achieve this year. And I know they want more, yada, yada. The San Francisco 49ers can come in here a lot more confident, or at least say maybe with a little bit less pressure. And they're at home, and it's Goff coming back. I think that's too much pressure on him. I'll admit to some bias here. Jared Goff has only played, as far as I can tell, one outdoor playoff game in his career, and he was 9 for 19 for 155 yards. Where where was that, and who's that, uh, who's that against? At Seattle in 2020. Seattle. That's a cold weather city, right? Can be. Ish. You want me to look up the weather report from that game? I, it's colder than San Francisco, right? Again, he's you, from there. He's f- familiar with the climate. Like, I keep hearing yeah, that. Jared Gauss outdoors. It's same. like... Oh, it, it just keeps it keeps getting adding on, right? It's like Jared. But you saw Goff, what the weather did last week, right? Like it clearly affected Brock Purdy and Jordan Love. Like the weather in San Francisco isn't guaranteed to be awesome. It was a downpour. I don't, if yeah. it's a downpour again, then yeah, maybe that's a concern. But it, like you said, it did affect Brock Purdy as well. Um, but it keeps like piling on with Jared Goff and this outdoor shit. First it was Jared Goff and bad weather, Jared Goff and winter conditions. Now it's, oh, it's just, if he's outdoors, he's bad. Like, oh, okay, we'll see. We'll see, I guess. I don't know. Um, if I if you have one quarterback that's going to step down, though, guys, you, you got to think it's Goff out of these two because the f- Purdy, Purdy's been way more consistent. He's got better numbers. Goff has more pressure. When Goff's did you start gambling? Because, I, because since birth, since birth, right. and I will not take golf. I would not take golf. I would says. not take. I would not take the Lions' running game against CMC either. I think you've got a mass a mismatch offense to offense, and it favors the 49ers, even if Devo doesn't play. Oh, well, they're going to make Brock Purdy beat him because Detroit's run defense is actually legit. I do think it actually really hurt San Francisco last week that Debo Samuel got hurt mid-game because they had plans for him, and you knew it yep. because they gave Dewan Jennings a rushing attempt. And yep. the, they broadcasters were even like, 
that play was designed for Debo Samuel. There is no way midweek they were running these plays to Jennings out of the backfield. Like they were like, oh crap, we have to pivot. Debo's hurt. I do think I, I much prefer the 49ers offense, obviously, when Debo Samuel's in there. However, the fact that he's questionable and not practicing, I, I do think it makes a difference. A lot of times we I think a lot of times we under value a player getting hurt mid-game versus coming into the game not playing. I Where like that point. Schemes are drawn up. We have a plan for this guy. He gets hurt, and it does change things, especially when it's a guy like Debo Samuel or any player like that. Whereas if you can prep for him not being in there, they're going to take some of those plays that they would run to him out and probably just give the ball to McCaffrey in that situation. Yep. But he's just going to touch the ball I like that point. One of my Niners fans said that he thinks Jawan Jennings could step up and it's not a big downgrade from Debo Samuel. And at that point, it's like, okay, cool. I'll bet you too. I'll bet you too. Fair enough. We'll see. Um, I am. I, I tried to say this earlier. I am biased. Love Dan Campbell. Can't stand Kyle Shanahan. I was always going to bet Dan Campbell in this game. Dan Campbell has an identity, and I know he's going to go down swinging. And I Shanahan. Jennings. His name is Jawan Jennings. I, my apologies. I might have screwed that up, too. Uh, Well, yeah, you just said what I said, though. I put it out there. I started it. It's my fault. All right. Well, hey. Uh, It's Jawan Jennings. Shanahan tightens up in the playoffs, and that is a legit thing. And if I'm going to bet a dog, at least least I have an aggressive coach. Oh, yeah, let's talk about your hatred for Kyle Shanahan. Hate him. I had his cousin on the podcast. You really do. uh, Yeah, I do. I do. I can't. I have probably 10 texts from Jeff, not safe for work, that include Kyle Shanahan's name. Yeah. You know, throughout the last like year and a half that we've been talking and, and about the NFL. And there's you always hate, a slur. Oh, he's gonna hit Dan Campbell name. after this weekend when Campbell doesn't show <laughs> up and actually coach this game and just freaks out on the sideline when they're down yeah, playing. I do think you know, I, I will give Campbell some credit. It does feel like he I thought he might tighten up a little bit and he really hasn't. No. Nope. Um, he's pretty much stuck to the script, which is good. Does it change this week with the Super Bowl on the line on the road? I think road factors in more than anything else. I think he will be a slightly more conservative on the road where you can, you know, I don't like it because there's no way to really quantify it, but there is something to that momentum shift when the home crowd is against you. I see. You're so not a, a momentum failure, guy though. Usually. I'm saying no, but a failure on fourth down hurts more on the road than it does at home. It just does as far as in general, not, not momentum is the wrong word. It's, it's more energy. Like there's a huge spark of energy. That, it's a fact that comes, yeah. that comes with the crowd, especially a fail on fourth down at home. Isn't great, but the crowd, like it doesn't really give the opponent a boost because the crowd's just quiet generally. Well, I suppose I you think... could argue that's a boost, but I don't, I don't yeah. think it's as big as when the, opposing crowd really gets on you and really gets going after a fourth down stop, for example. Well, counterpoint, the Detroit Lions are going to convert all their fourth down attempts in this game. Uh, well, there you go. I mean, uh-huh. If that happens, then it won't matter. <laughs> if they do, they deserve to win, Jeff. But I'm telling you, the, the, the Lions could get behind in this game and they could start panicking, freaking out. You've got Goff on his heels. I think I this thing's going to get ugly. I think San Francisco peaked when they beat a trash Eagles team. And they're going to get their asses handed to them. Actually, no, I, I think lines are going to cover. I, I, Niners will probably win. But I'll sprinkle on the money Listen, line. Listen, Super Bowl logo theory lives. It's going to be Ravens 49ers. The NFL Jesus told you Christ. this 11 months ago. They told you who the Super Bowl was going to be, and here we are. Dan, Alex Jones, Sekshesky. 
You're just firing Scott, out are you familiar with the Super Bowl logo conspiracy theory? Yeah, I've heard it. I never lent Did you read about it in Outkick? I think I did, actually. I think, actually, I'm trying to think. I, there was something similar circulating around that a few years ago, and then you guys basically kind of firmed it up. But I think it makes sense. I, I think Ravens 49ers is a rematch. It's uh, it's not as sensational as Lions Chiefs, but it makes a lot more sense as far as where the public is. You guys ever hear also, about got, Bohemian Grove? John, or like, you got uh, John Harbaugh going back to the Super Bowl with Jim coming back into the NFL. Beautiful. Oh, it's a year for the Harbaugh's. That is a conspiracy theory or like a trend I'll buy. Uh, I got some player props in this one. So I knew the answer to this question when I asked it to you, Dan. Last week, David Montgomery's anytime touchdown was minus 120. I think it was the most bet player prop last week. Everyone got burned and got pissed. It is plus 170 on FanDuel now. I will take it. I'll take the plus 170. On Montgomery. On Montgomery. Um, I love that line. I would hit it again. Yeah, you should. Touchdowns in 12 of his 16 games uh, this season, which includes a wild card round touchdown against the Rams. Which doesn't include last week. (laughs) Obviously didn't get there. (laughs) Um, And uh, Detroit's offensive line actually has While we've been talking, San Francisco did slide. Oh, wait. Yeah, San Francisco did get back to seven as the number. Damn it. See? So that's bouncing back and forth. You'll see seven and a half. You'll see seven and a half again because the, the the public is coming all over Detroit, so they'll move. Yeah, it's it. still move it's it. it's to. one. It is one eighteen one oh two on the seven though, where it was one twenty one hundred on the seven and a half. Obviously, you know, reversed. But, yeah, Scott, right? you said that the line feels like too good to be true. At least that's how the public better is seeing it. But like, if this line, if these teams met in San Francisco like Christmas in the beginning of December, San Francisco is a 10-point favorite in that game, right? So I think they uh, made this as cheap as they possibly could to get split action. But, but maybe, I don't know if I agree with the 10-point uh, call there, but I would tell you this. If, if you're Joe Public walking up to the window and you see that you can get seven points or plus seven and a half with Detroit after everything you've seen with the Detroit offense this year, or at least in the last, say, five weeks, and seeing San Francisco, as we talked about, struggle – uh, with Debo out or with Brock Purdy not performing as well or maybe not giving CMC enough carries, whatever it is, I think the public is going to get tricked into thinking that this is a touchdown, easy, easy buy. And to me, it, I think this game is a lot further away from that in the sense that I think San Francisco just comes out and whips them. And I, that, that's true. I mean, you said, I, I think if this spread would have come out, let's say vis-a-vis, let's say it's a neutral field, I think that this game is closer to two or three potentially versus seven. So – I think you're getting. I think you're trying to entice the public to jump on the to jump on the dog, which is is great because I'm taking this favorite. Understood. Uh, other player prop that I got. I'm going under George Kittle four and a half receptions minus one fourteen at FanDuel. I look at him actually as like a more of a big play threat than a possessions wide receiver. He's gone under this number in twelve of the seventeen games, which includes the playoffs. He's caught. Have you five- looked at his splits with and without Debo on the field? I have not. No. I can. Find I would look that. into that before placing it. They should do like like how cleaning the glass or basketball has on off net rating. They should do stuff like that. So I think um, I think people are going to jump on Ayuk over because no Debo. I love McCaffrey over thirty five and a half receiving yards. I think who really benefits Easily. from Debo not being on the field is McCaffrey. I think they're just going to get him the ball more in a lot of those like quick passes, jet screens, the motions. That stuff goes to McCaffrey. Like Ayuk's 
if you like Ayuk's over, you should like it because you thought he was going to go over whether Debo's out there or not because he has a specific skill set in that offense. It's very different than Debo Samuel. So if you like Ayuk's over because you like it, fine. But if you're banking on him going over just because Debo's out there, I don't like it, especially at 81 and a half yards, a lot of yards. But I do like McCaffrey because I do think McCaffrey fills in that gap. And I think there's going to be more plays designed to him through the air because of Debo not being out there. I kind of agree. No. I didn't factor that in, but I do. I did factor in the fact that George... I also worry about Kittle too, because he, again, like tight end screens become more popular when they're not, that could be instead of throwing the wide receiver screen to Debo, they just switch it to a tight end screen to Kittle. Again, I don't think Ayuk benefits as much because they're just different. I really think the two players that benefit the most from Debo being out statistically would be Kittle and McCaffrey. And I'd also take a look at Birdie's passing yards, too, because I think this whole narrative is going to come out that Birdie's not going to be very good because of Debo being out. I look how he saw himself play last week after Debo went down, but they've played, they prepared for that most of the week. Birdie is bound to bounce back at some point, whether it's this game or if they make it to the Super Bowl. Plus, you have to figure that, like you said, Dan, there's going to be other roles to be played if Debo is out and so they're gonna have a whole week to prepare so I'd say I mean birdie pretty passing yards would be something to look at on the over too so let me tell you that's probably come down uh two games this year without Debo Samuel George Kittle had five catches and nine catches on seven targets and 11 targets uh he played one in in his last four games without Debo on the field according to StatMuse he is averaging eight and a half targets wow I don't feel as strong about my pick now, but I'm going to ride out with it because I think that he's going to get a bulk or more of the defensive defensive attention from Detroit because Debo's banged up. I am a little nervous about the screen point that you just made because that is a very solid one. I like that. Um, but uh, Detroit's defense is used to practicing against an elite tight end, so at least they they have that. Um, I you know to to kind of train them and, and, and tune them up for this game. Kittle's caught five passes or more than four and a half in just one of his 10 playoff games. And Purdy throws to his wide receivers at a a much higher rate than the NFL average. So I think it's going to be a usage thing. And I think, yeah, I just think he's going to go under four and a half. So the the Lions this year have been, excuse me, pretty good against tight ends uh, in general, at least since week three. They got torched back to back weeks by both the Seahawks and Falcons but did seem to tighten up against tight ends. However, you know, George Kittle is sort of in a league of his own. In week 16 and 18, they played the Vikings, and Hawkinson went for over 100 yards in both games. Shit. Okay. Well, we'll see. That's I'm sorry. Why they call it game Hawkinson now. didn't go over, but their tight ends did go over in both games. But Hawkinson also, he ate, especially in week 18. Okay. Well, whatever, it doesn't matter. The Vikings throw to their tight ends, though, so that might be a, a, not, a nothing murder. They were good against tight ends this year. So the average, they gave up, it looks like, 92 catches to tight ends in 20 games. So that is under four and a half per game, slightly. Barely, yeah. I mean, you well, no, down, actually, it is four and a half. That's yeah, dead on. Half right there. Sorry. It's right on the yeah. dot. So that's, there's Basically your, there's dead your spread. I, I would take that, I would take the one, I'd take the side of that that has a little bit less cost to it because they're obviously favoring the public there on the uh, the more expensive side, and that, to me, tells me that that's going to go the other way. Uh, last prop here, I'll be quick with it. Nick Bosa under .75 sacks is plus 100 at DraftKings. It's just a hunch. He's going against the best tackle in football, according to PFF and uh, Sewell, so I think they're going to 
try to make yeah, a point. Yeah, Goff has been getting the ball out of there pretty fast, Jeff. Or, you know, he's been if he's under any pressure, if they're blitzing, he's usually aware of getting that ball out. I mean, I think he was he was firing that ball all over Tampa Bay on you know last Saturday. So there's obviously a chance for Sunday. There's obviously a chance that they get some pressure on him, but he can get those quick reads and get the ball out too. Yeah, he's I like also, that play for sure. He's I'm also not going to rip it apart like I did your Kittle play. He's also a righty, so he's going to be when he drops back, he's going to be looking at Nick Bosa the whole time. So, you know, uh, to to your point, Scott, he'll get rid of it fast. All right, man, fifty five minutes. What a hell of a conference championship breakdown. Hopefully, we gave you guys some good intel that informs your betting decisions this weekend. Uh, officially, I'm going with the Ravens minus three and a half. Dan. Your official best bet in that game? I don't really have one. Hmm. I'll take the night. Oh, wait. We're doing the first game? Yeah. I'll take the Chiefs. Screw it. If I can get four and a half, I'm definitely on the Chiefs at four and a half. Scott, what are you thinking? Ravens minus four, and we're Niners. I don't care if it's seven or seven and a half. Taking the two favorites because the public loves the dogs this weekend. Yep. I'm on the, uh, I'm Pauly Public. I'm digging the Lions plus seven. Public's had a good year. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's ending. That's why, I, that's why I'm killing it, guys. Jeff's <laughs> uh-huh. best uh-huh. year ever coincides no, it with the public having its best year ever. Huh. Interesting. Not a fluke or not a coincidence. Not a coincidence. <laughs> not a coincidence. All right. Uh, where can people find you, uh, Scott? Uh, Twitter, aka X at Scotty Markets, talking food sports and a little bit of music dan you're doing daily college basketball picks where people people can follow that at outkick.com slash betting what's your uh twitter handle again i am at real dan zach not to be confused with obviously all the fake dan zachs out there pretending to be me and of course always at outkick.com all right Show us some love on social media and leave me a nice uh, review on Outkick or on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. And if you like to bet on horrible college basketball, you definitely want to follow me because I am all about the MAAC, not even the MAC, the MAAC. Dan, let's tease something for next week. First signature event in the PGA Tour, Pebble Beach. You down? You want to do a podcast? I've absolutely let's get back into talking about some freaking golf. I got it on right now, baby. You and me both on Hideki Matsuyama. As we record this, sitting at eight under. We we're in play, baby. We're in play. It's all you can ask for. Things are happening. So uh make Made sure a hole in one today. The first of his PGA tour career. Hideki wow. Matsuyama. Congratulations. Twenty twenty one Masters Champion, a legendary um golf career, especially for greatest the greatest Japanese. Japanese golfer of all time. By far, no question. Shout out to Hideki. We'll be back next week to cover the PGA Tour. Obviously, us three will be back uh, the following week to, to cover the Super Bowl. And, oh, you don't um, want to do a Pro Bowl pod? No, I don't. Oh. Oh. <laughs> okay. The skills competition? Yeah, that's great. That, that'll, like football that'll pod? Yeah. Until next time, peace. Peace.